Um, so I'll bring them back in momentarily. But before we do uh, convene the panel, uh, Sean, just wanted to get your take on, uh, you know, the Lazarus Initiative is uh, a year-long initiative we're launching with 12 editions of the Lazarus Journal, 12 major symposiums kicking off on the 21st of this month. This is just the launch uh, countdown today. Um, but it's really inquiring into the connection between cosmogenesis, the origin of species, the archaeocosmology, uh, bringing us to the status quo and to the acme of evil empire, which we're clearly now um, purging and detoxing ourselves from at the psycho-civilizational level, and then how that transposes uh, our noble journey into the ascendancy of humankind, and not just humankind, but with it, the planet, Tara, Earth, and with that, of course, that diamantine uh, aspect that we represent in the entire 3D temporal universe, we're taking with us on that ascendancy uh, all of expression in the 3D temporal universe. It is so, so much bigger than just us. And, of course, we have been reduced now uh, to little masked goons lurching around the streets and uh, under house arrest and now being threatened with perilous uh, synthetic uh, poisons being jabbed into our arms by our compassionate, caring uh, governments. Just want to get your take on the status quo as it relates to the endemic transhumanism taking place today. There was a lot of different factors there that you throw out, Sasha. Um, and, you know, Daniel Estelin's work on transhumanism, he's someone I would definitely encourage you getting on to talk about it. But from my, you know, my interpretation, my understanding of it is more intuitive. Um, having, oh, having seen certain visions about basically that we are really in the Star Wars universe, whether people, um, you know, if you, if, you know, a lot of people have looked at Star Wars as ancient Egyptian uh, origin, as far as a lot of the, the Jedi, for example, the Jedi were, you know, were uh, a class within ancient Egypt, for example, like warrior cast, I believe, and defenders. I mean, even in the Mummy Returns movie, they talk about the Jedi in a sense of uh, DJEDI. So um, I think that a lot of this is drawn upon ancient e Egyptian sorcery, if you really want my interpretation of what happened. In ancient, in ancient Egypt, essentially, there was a completely different reality than what we are living now. That's why um, it's difficult to understand it from this level of consciousness. But essentially, that they had a, achieved a certain a level of civilization. And you could even say, really, Egypt is tied to Atlantis, you know, as far as the, the essence or origin of it, even if it's a derivative culture from Atlantis. So they essentially were still connected to um, more understandings about Earth magic, right? And this is why when we look at the pyramids and how they're constructed and configured on the planet, you know, basically at the, what is it, the densest place of the planet and essentially the, the earth grid they're tapping into is so powerful and the, ge the, uh, the geometry, how it's a mixture of human construction, but using, uh, you could almost say more uh, harmonic, a more like Fibonacci number type of spot, you know, curvature and things like this. This is how you can construct such a pyramid. That's why to this day, our civilization, we can't do it. You know, they try to replicate the pyramids and they sit there and they go, well, uh, we don't have enough money to do it. <laughs> we don't have enough cranes because it's so, it's so complex. So I think that culture essentially uh, at some level, the sorcery involved foresaw um, 
what we are living through. Essentially, we had they project their consciousness into a new dream, dream a new dream, and the dream that that we collectively are dreaming dates back to that time period. And essentially, we've entered. I say the Star Wars universe because it's essentially the Star Wars tells us what transhumanism looks like. You see, it's given us a roadmap. It's given us a blueprint. We, as human beings in these bodies, are actually magical creatures. We we don't understand how life exists. We don't understand how the breath of life all of a sudden brings you know brings us into awareness, into consciousness. We don't understand where consciousness comes from, right? So, the materialists, the Satanists, the the communists, the ones that really the scientists that want to that want to keep you focused on mundane materiality, right? They are ultimately working for the dark side, which is the Empire in the Star Wars universe, right? Because that version, even the the occultists like Darth Vader, who's a dark occultist, right? They are so fixated on material control, and in the process. They're willing to basically subvert the human being. That's why the stormtroopers all walk around with what, with oxygen masks on, right? And masks. Darth Vader is becoming a transhuman being in the process of his dark magical workings because he basically understands. You know, if you understand magic, how if you're working with natural magic harmoniously with the body, right, in tune with nature, you. You can be like a Jedi. You can basically be like the yog the yogis and the ascended masters that have been talked about all through time. You know the men that are the the Taoist monks and masters who are 100 plus years old, right? And still practicing with the natural energy. That's white magic. That's natural magic. You know, not even like white magic. Natural magic. And then you get the dark magic practitioners, and they end up basically eroding themselves through these deals and black magic workings, and then they need blood or energy to feed on right um and that's how like basically they end up with the machine culture and that's really where we a lot of people are being sold on this idea of just enter the machine culture now we have an interesting balance to strike here as beings that want to engage on a computer screen with you know with my phone communicating to people around the world and so yes we are using technology but but being able to balance that with nature, being able to grid yourself, being able to avoid, you know, 5G frequencies is so healthy for the body and to preserve the body in a natural state as much as possible, right? And this is why we're in this really in a weird transhuman place where you have to buy food that is called organic as opposed to having food that naturally is organic because it's already been tampered and modified with genetic modification. The vaccine is a genetic modification. It literally says it has genetic modified organisms in it, right? It's yeah. designed to genetically modify you. And so people have bought into this artificial lie. And a lot of it, by the way, as you would know, Sasha, goes back to the Nazis who are tremendous propagators of a lot of the chemicalization of society, right? All the, you know, the, the uh, IG Fabin, right? The gases and the things that were done also from the First World War, the gas warfare, the chemical mustard gases and chemical fertilization that came out of that mechanization process of the First World War is really what we've seen then given to the public as, hey, put fluoride in your water, eat sugar, which is toxic, you know, and put it in your in your daily uh, every food you eat, you know, to basically toxify your life and make that normal. And that's what we've been seeing for the last hundred years, basically, on this planet. And I think Rudolf Steiner is someone to look at as far as his understanding of where he saw we were going to basically denude our souls, essentially, to surrender our souls to this idea of, you know, practicality, ease of living. It looks good on the outside, but inside it's rotting. That's yeah. really what we're looking at with this transhuman agenda. A beautifully stated, beautifully stated. 
Robert, as you, as you know, a great deal more about medical science than that we're likely to ever in 100 lifetimes. Um, <laughs> what is the business of chemistry at its core? Um, I, I, I seem to remember I made a film years ago, um, and I was studying at that time the, the etymology of, 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 e, uh, of, of certain words. And alchemy, alchemy um, was, I think, the root of alchemy is connected to black hole making, creating black holes, whereupon presumably one can transpose ideation or intention through that process and then manifest a different outcome in the temporal realm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what Sean was just saying about the um, Nazis introducing the chemicalization of, uh, of living systems, biological systems, through uh, IG Farben, which moved on to become the agrochem and, and the big pharma industries today, which are the two horns of the devil, essentially, that that have ransacked um, all natural health and wellness. And the air, the soil and the water are weaponized, resultantly, the entire biosphere in point of fact. So whether we're talking about depleted uranium from rocket testing, um, which permeate the atmosphere all the way through to the bariums and phosphates and strontiums and and, uh, glyphosates and all the world's food supplies by now and fluoride and the municipal water supplies and blah, blah, blah. Chemicals, chemistry, does this mean that all synthetic molecules are foundationally evil? Well, what it means is there's nothing so false that doesn't contain some element of truth, and that's how bad actors and Luciferians, in order to get what their outcomes are, is they take things that are true and then they infiltrate or change that such as in these uh, so-called vaccines which are not their gene therapy modification devices in order to introduce nanotechnology into our our own dna but in reality what they're doing is connecting god-made and man-made thinking that they're gods as if this is going to be better but you have to look at their actions you have to look at their outcomes and their goals and uh, so what they'll do is tell you nine truths to get across one lie for and the and the perfect example of this is the germ theory the germs cause disease germs do not cause disease what we're talking about here is germs are nothing more than the symptomologies of cellular breakdown in and of themselves when germs break down to their nothingness all that's left is what antoine bechamp discovered over a hundred years ago is a living indestructible intelligent anatomical element and that element is what makes up genes and it's that element that we're trying to protect and so based on my work and research it's based on two premises the first premise is is that the human body in its perfect state in its perfect health ph perfect health in its perfect state is alkaline by design And all of the systems that we have within the human body, including the nucleus totalis, uh, uh, astrocytes, a bundle of cells that manage and maintain, it's in the brainstem. It manages the neurological system. It manages all the biochemistry of the body. That becomes suppressed and inactive when we literally introduce compounds that are not natural for us, like aluminum oxide, like titanium dioxide, Uh, These nanoparticulates that are in our air, like carbon monoxide, these are wastes. When we understand that that the body is in perfect health, when we maintain its alkaline design, 
not just of the blood fluids, but the largest organ of the body, the fluids that are contained within the interstitium, when those are maintained in its alkaline state, ideally at an 8.4. And the only way that you can test that state is by testing the urine because the, the urine is a product of the interstitial fluids. And the interstitial fluids are the fluids that surround all the cells. So whatever you introduce into the body, whether it comes from air, water, food, even electromagnetic pollution, will affect this delicate pH balance of the interstitium, of the interstitial fluid. This can be monitored. This can be adjusted by simply picking up some pH hydrant paper, testing the pH during the acid flood when the body's getting rid of that, and making sure that that pH does not drop below 7.8. If you protect the fluids, you protect the cells. If you protect the cells, you protect the genetics of that cell. And you can only do this if you understand that the largest organ of the body is a body of water. It's an ocean. And it's being polluted by bad actors and Luciferians. So rather than focus on the genetics, you have to focus on the epigenetics, which is the environment around that triggers the genetics. And this can all be measured. It can be quantified. We are one of the only labs in the U.S. that is actually testing the biochemistry completely of the interstitial fluids and then comparing that to the vascular fluids. We're testing the effects of the membranes. That's why I call corona an effect because it's not a disease of infection. It's a disease of outfection as the cell's membranes deteriorate because of their environment expressing that corona crown. Those protein spikes are coming out. They're created endogenously. Not, not from the outside world, but from the inside world. And when we see it anatomically, when we measure it biochemistry, biochemically, then when we look at elements that are not natural for us, like, like exposure you know, to hydrogen arsenic, like car carbon monoxide, like uh, titanium oxide and dioxide, aluminum oxide, what in the hell are these ingredients even, even technetium-99, which is a radioactive isotope, why are those in these inoculations? Because what they do is when they get into the blood, the body, when you get inoculated, the body immediately pushes that out into the interstitium to contain it, either by pushing it out into the connective tissue or out through the pores of the skin. So this is not a disease of infection. It's a disease of outfectious and it's an aging process. When we realize that we don't get old, we mold, and that fermentation is taking place within our own body, that if we want to protect ourselves from EMF, from food poisoning, glyphosate, from uh, air pollution, such as titanium dioxide, we do that by managing our internal environment, and we can test it. You don't have to come to me. I don't have to tell you, you know, that, you know, by doing some fancy tests, you can simply monitor the internal fluids, particularly the interstitial fluids, to maintain the alkaline design because we're measuring this. We are testing. We are determining that anyone who is sick is in decompensated acidosis of the interstitial fluids. We are seeing the high levels of lactic acid. We are seeing fibrous materials in the interstitial fluids and in the vascular fluids. But here again, one of the entry points for the Chinese is rectal infusion. 
the nat the the swabs actually contain the nanoparticulates and also the fibers of Magellan on that Q-tip. They're in our masks in the fibers. You can't help when you wear a mask, but to take on these particular trans fibers, both human and man-made, okay, artifacts that are coming in through the respiratory. But this is just a contributing factor. It doesn't kill you, but eventually it will, especially if you start treating it. Because if you start treating it with antibiotics, if you start treating it with current medicine, that's going to increase the waste in the interstitium. You have to pull back. You have to move to alkaline fluids. You have to move to an alkaline diet. I call it an alkalarian lifestyle. You have to exercise and sweat this out. You have to get into an infrared sauna. You have to open the pores of the skin. There are treatments, but they're not medical treatments. They're natural ways in which to restore the alkaline design of the body fluids. I mean, I can show you, I can show you the research. It's been published in two peer-reviewed journals. This is out there, but it's being suppressed. It's being censored. Why? Well, you already know the why, uh, Sasha. Well, Robert, let me bring in uh, Dr. Rima Leibau, uh, who spent uh, much of her life with uh, one of the greatest icons in the American uh, military intelligence, uh, General Major Albert Stubblebeim's widow, and uh, one of the greatest medical scientists alive as well, who's uh, been doing extraordinary work changing the minds and the hearts of millions of people around the world. The woman who brought the attention to the world on Codex Alimentarius uh, decades ago, uh, way before it became um, a, a popular um, theme. Uh, so have you met before, Rima and, and Robert? I'm keen to know. Ah, you are you are yes. muted. Uh, yes, the three most uh, spoken words in the modern world. You're on mute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it has not been my pleasure before to meet you, uh, Dr. Robert, but I'm delighted. Of course, I'm familiar with your work, and uh, I'm honored to be on the same stage with you. Oh, well, it's it's mutual, mutual. I, I mean, I'm honored, uh, Dr. Rima. Uh, it's, uh, it's a, you're a beautiful soul. You do beautiful work, and, you, and I've never heard you not speak truth out of your mouth. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, try. You're <laughs> You'd have to ask Albert that, but uh, hey. <laughs> Rima, uh, your thoughts, thoughts uh, momentarily. You've been in the green room um, since uh, Sean and Robert have spoken. What, do you, what are your thoughts variously on what you've heard? Uh, I've known about pleomorphism, which is what you're talking about. Uh, Dr. Robert, I've known about pleomorphism forever, and I've been open to the idea that the germ theory is a theory which is falsifiable. If it's, by the way, once the science is settled in any area, folks, it's no longer science, it's religion. If you're not interested in falsifying every established theory, then you're not interested in science. So we're talking about falsifying the germ theory, which seems to me a very important and interesting thing, which is what you're doing. I've also known about the uh, interstitium and the the uh, uh, liquid crystal matrix of Fischinger, which I think was identified first in 1933, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, these are tremendously important concepts which give us keys to deal with things that conventional allopathic 
medicine has absolutely no clue to deal with, has some pretty primitive tools to suppress symptoms uh, with and to make the underlying causes worse, which is why pharmaceuticals call for more pharmaceuticals and more and more and more and more. It's by design. So what you're working with, what you're um, elaborating and bringing forth offers keys and clues and tools for actually curing disease, which is what I've devoted my medical career to. Um, and I think it's very exciting. I think it's the kind of thing that doesn't want to be heard by a hegemony that can't afford health. Let's let's face it, the, the amount of uh, economic, social, and political control dependent upon perpetuating chronic and accelerating chronic ill health is phenomenally large. And so you and I and Sasha and, and uh, all the other wonderful people who are saying, wait, 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 this doesn't make sense. We have to look at different premises. We have to bring common sense and reasoning into the picture rather than dogma. We're all enemies of the state. That's how it goes. And I, I'm just so excited that you're bringing forward laboratory testing to validate mm -hmm. the premises that you're holding forth and to, to falsify some of them. Some of what you currently believe is going to turn out to be wrong, just like some of what I currently believe is going to turn out to be wrong. But to, to prevent or to, to preserve and to promulgate health, we have to be willing to put aside everything that we believe if necessary. And I think that's the that's the underlying message of what I'm hearing in the Lazarus Project. We're not going to make progress if we cling to what makes us comfortable. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank, thank you, Rima. Beautifully stated. Uh, Rima, okay. a, a, couple, a few weeks ago, I did a, a show with, uh, with Robert, actually about a month or so ago. Um, and Sean, I also, um, now that you're coffeeed up, want, want to get your <laughs> ideas here. This, this son of a bitch, um, Rima, um, what can you tell us about this criminal? <laughs> um, which I don't recognize. Well, well that, 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 that's the face. Louis, Louis Pasteur. That's the, that's oh, the face. Oh, Louis Pasteur. Of course, yeah. of course, of course. Yeah. Um, all I know about Louis Pasteur is that he knew. <laughs> he knew, right. and he admitted it on his deathbed. We all know that. Oh, um, did he? What did he say on his deathbed? I didn't know that piece. He, he said that, uh, indeed, it was the terrain. Ah. He, he also said, he also admitted his, his guilt. He said, uh, Beauchamp was correct, I was wrong. You know, yes. so he admitted, he admitted to the fact that, uh, that his theory was, was an expression of an underlining causative action yes. between the cause and effect relationship. And the cause was an alteration in the biochemistry of the body fluids, which then gave rise to the cellular membrane deterioration, the genetic mutation, and the expression of what are referred to as germs, which is which which is validating the biological transformation or the pleomorphic etiology rather than the monomorphic, which was Louis Pasteur, is there's one germ and a specific disease. If we kill the germ, 
then we then we reverse the disease. This doesn't happen. If that was the case, there would be no other effects associated with that. But what right. happens? What happens is when you when you use antibiotics, which which means anti-life, you actually alter further the delicate pH balance of the interstitial fluids, giving rise then changing the environment that's more conducive to the evolution of mold, of yeast. And this is why we're seeing increased amounts in very serious chronic diseases like cancer, increases amounts of yeast and molds, i.e. aspergillus, candida, what have you, and their associated waste products of citric acid and lactic acid that can be biochemically analyzed and determined their levels you know, in the interstitium, in the interstitial fluids. And you would say, well, why aren't doctors doing this? Well, if they were doing this, it would change the whole medical paradigm. It would shift the whole foundation away from germs, away from treating dis disease, but rather changing and working with an, a contextual approach of improving the alkaline design or the, the, the biochemistry of the body fluids, particularly the interstitial fluids. Right. I, I think we have to go back to the historical realities that probably everybody listening to this broadcast already knows, but it's worth repeating. Uh, the entire pharmaceutical industry is a, a construct, and of course, allopathic medicine is a creature of the pharmaceutical industry, which was a construct uh, uh, energized by John D. Rockefeller Jr. in order to initially find an alternative consumption stream for the, uh, the products of the oil wells that he controlled around the world. He, he made a mistake. He said, I don't believe that the internal combustion engine will ever consume all the oil that I am capable of producing or, or causing to be produced globally. Therefore, he sent his agents around the world to find alternative consumption streams. And they came back and they said, hey, boss, there's this industrial revolution thing happening in Germany, specifically around the use of coal tar. That's the gunk at the bottom of the cracking towers that produce fractions of petroleum. And they're making coal tar derivatives, drugs, as a matter of fact. And we could use up a whole lot of petroleum if anybody wanted these toxic products called pharmaceuticals. And so John D. Rockefeller Jr. purchased a controlling interest in the entire pharmaceutical ind industry of the world, starting in Germany, then moving into Switzerland and France and the United States, and then created the entire allopathic medical system using money to do so in a very intentional way. And we are bearing the brunt of this, of this malicious attack on our biology and on our reality, if you will. And as a licensed physician, I, I think I can say quite, um, quite knowledgeably that what happens to bright young people, and, and perhaps you'll agree, uh, Dr. Robert, perhaps you won't, but what happens to bright young people who enter the medical uh, temple is first of all, their balls are sliced off, whether they have them anatomically as men do or only uh, energetically as women do, but their balls are sliced off and they are subjected to a, um, a cult indoctrination involving emotional abuse, intellectual uh, distortion, sleep deprivation, and 
an opportunity to identify with the aggressor and rise in the hierarchy and oppress somebody below them. And they become part of a cult mentality, rejecting reality that conflicts with the cult investment. And once that happens to you, you may have a white coat, you may have the robes of political respect and, and financial reward, but you can't think anymore, or you don't think anymore. And therefore, we have people entrapped in the medical hierarchy who are entrapping others, perhaps believing genuinely that that's a good thing to do, perhaps not, who knows. But the point is that that's not the road to health. That's the road to enslavement. And if you ever needed a better demonstration of it, look at the COVID deception, look at the, quote, vaccine deception, look at what Dr. Karimaja was saying about enslavement. The entire pharmaceutical hegemony is designed as part of an enslavement uh, matrix. And the road to health is not through that matrix. Very good. Rima, thank you for that. I want to quickly just um, point something out here. If I can find the bloody notes. Here they are. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of the, these stats, but in all, 26 pharmaceutical companies, the biggies, paid uh, over $33 billion, $33 billion in fines over the last uh, well, actually, between 2013 and 2016, when that particular audit was done, what well, one imagines is a great a deal worse subsequently. GlaxoSmithKline paid nearly $10 billion in inflation-adjusted financial penalties between January 2003 and December 2016. Um, if you're a professional, uh, if you're in a profession where trust is paramount, like a medical doctor, an accountant, or a lawyer, and you're found guilty of malpractice, you generally lose your license to practice. God knows if you try to cure people of uh, cancer and actually succeed every single time, like Dr. Robert O. Young, uh, which he's world famous for, um, you get targeted, you get penalized. They do everything to throw their satanic um, uh, weaponry at you. And certainly they've done a great deal of damage uh, to Robert, but he's one in millions because almost every medical science professional I've sp spoken to in the last year, and I've spoken to hundreds, and I've conducted thousands of hours of broadcasting and moderated meetings and judicial seatings and all sorts. It's been a relentless campaign on my part for about 15 odd months. And prior to that, um, uh, well over a year, I was, as Robert knows, conducting the Judicial Commission of Inquiry with the ITNJ into weaponization of the biosphere. And again, investigating countless uh, medical scientists and listening to these travesties, these stories of how they're targeted, the successful ones, the ones who actually make the difference, not the ones who shuffle along and buy into the bursaries and the um, and the financing, the funding extended to them through the pharmaceutical um, uh, labyrinth. But all, all of that stuff is as real as real can be, and yet we find seven billion uh, human souls right now uh, being being pinioned against the wall as government lurches towards us with a chemical cocktail in a syringe. Um, and, and the distinction is not that we are mandatorily forced into vaccinations, because actually that's not the case. This is the piece I'm trying to bring to bear here. 
It's not that we're mandatorily being forced to be vaccinated. It's worse than that. It's that we're being we're permitting ourselves to be led to believe that we are required to. And you see, that's the trick. That's the trick. And that's the piece that I want my audience to understand. It's the, it's the, it's the inversion of logic. That's where the Luciferian mind and the serpentine logic actually snakes its way into the gestalt. It leads us to believe that we are required to. And we thereby grant permissions to that serpentine logic to infiltrate our lives. And we then obey and acquiesce. We pay coin to Caesar. We fill out the fucking forms with our block black capital letters and our signatures, our wet ink signatures. We enter the contract time and time and time again. 